Welcome to Rumiki Talks podcast. I'm your host, Konstantin Starodetsky. This is a space where I interview professionals from the entertainment industry and discuss popular film-related topics with my co-host and producing partner, Rumana Dinevska. Our goal is to help and motivate aspiring filmmakers to get their films made. Enjoy. Welcome, dear listeners, to the episode number 13. Feature films versus TV shows versus short films. That's generally the content we consume. But which one to make? That's the question. If you don't have budget, for you the answer probably will be the short film. But everyone wants to make feature films and TV shows. And everyone seems to be consuming feature films and TV shows. So let's start with features. When I was in St. Petersburg, Russia, I loved going to theaters. Because first, for students, they were cheaper and also more time (laughs) when I was at high school. That was wonderful. And one of the most memorable experiences that I can recall is the three features at night at a very retro sort of in a historical building theater. So the movie starts at 11.59 and then run until 6 a.m. So three feature films with a little bit of uh, pause for like music and snacks and stuff like that. And I will never forget that experience. It's something that really will be with me all my life. That experience of watching one movie after another movie and then barely (laughs) have enough brain power to actually realize what happened. But every night was an experience. It was a theme, for example, like a French wave or Italian films or or films that specific to a particular director. So feature films is something to stay, I think, because you can always find new waves of how do you present films. You can show them in the regular theaters. You can show them in a combination like, like I just described to three films per night, the th- three thematic films. But what about today? Today is kind of a little bit different. Everyone seems to be watching films from their computers, from their mobile devices, and especially during the years of the pandemic, nobody was watching them in theaters. Only now people start coming out of their apartments and into theaters. But what do you think, Rumki? Can you tell us a little bit about different ways to consume content? How do we actually consume it these days? As the technology has advanced, so has the film industry as well. And the way we, quote, consume content uh, or the way we watch art, the way we watch films, the way we watch TV shows. It's so interesting to see what the future beholds as well. But I remember growing up, I mean, I am not that old, obviously, but growing up, (laughs) we had mostly theaters and we watched movies and cinemas. We were buying DVDs for home watching. It was sort of very interesting because my dad would always buy me and my brother a new film, a new DVD, and we were like super excited. I remember we were even gifting DVDs to friends as a birthday gift. It was a great thing to own a film, to like, and you can go back to it and watch it. But I don't know if many people buy DVDs these days. I mean, I I bet there are people who buy DVDs because they want to own a particular film or they just are building a collection. For example, like I would love, if I were to buy a DVD, I usually buy 
some A24 film, like a nice release, a box set or something. It's so amazing that we have all this access and it's almost overwhelming with all the streaming platforms and just the accessibility and availability. It makes it in a way overwhelming. There's so much films and shows out. You want to keep in track with everything, but there's so much time in the day for you to watch and consume all of that content, like you say. But I'm so super curious to see how we're gonna watch films in the future and there's so many ways you can watch films we can watch you you can watch them on your phone on your tablet on your laptop a tv set a theater there's like rooftop cinemas like drive-through theaters have a comeback now as well but it really depends on your preference honestly for me i don't judge people if you watch films on your phone i know a lot of filmmakers prefer their films being seen on the big screen but for me personally I'll be happy if you just see the film that we make (laughs) even if it's on your phone I know that um it's it's just about accessibility I, I can for example I was on the plane the other day and it was one of those flights where you have to pay for everything the headphones for example to watch the films on the screen so I saw uh, some people that had already pre-downloaded some episodes on their phones and they just watched it, watched them right there and there and it was so much easier. It's just amazing how many ways there are to watch all the art that we make. What do you think, Constantine? What is the future of film watching? That's That's a great question. What is the future? I mean, it's always nice to speculate what... What can happen, what will happen, how we will watch things. But I agree, I don't mind if someone watches my films on on, on phone and and, uh, tablets and stuff. Actually, short films seems to be the most logical content to watch on your device. Although the question is, who watches them? Maybe you can elaborate on that a little bit later. In the meantime, I want to talk about TV shows. We never watch TV shows in theaters so far. Why? That's that's a kind of like a little bit of a mystery because right now, especially the production of the TV shows is amazing. Mm-hmm. I would love to watch the Rings of Power TV show that's right now on uh, Amazon Prime. I would love to watch it in theater. It looks gorgeous. Just to have that tribal experience, you know, watching <laughs> with other people on a regular basis. Yeah, that's that would be that would be something. Or maybe we just all go virtual, you know, get the headsets, the VR headsets, and and watch films mm-hmm. and TV shows, you know, in a metaverse, so to speak, where you can actually interact with people in a new, unique ways that we don't even imagine fully yet while you're watching a movie or while you're doing something else. But TV shows right now is a big thing, and to me, it seems like many people watching. I was talking to Cynthia Shang the other day, the writer, director, producer, the showrunner, and uh, we we touched a little bit on this subject, like who watches, why people watching. And she mentioned the characters. She mentioned that people like to come back for the characters because they live with them. In the feature film, it's not enough time for that. And I agree to that. But also, I like to watch feature films, and I like characters there, and I like the experience of the feature film and the completeness uh, of that. You know, you cannot control the way people consume content. You can only, I guess, direct the way that people consume content by releasing new technology that allows an easier consumption of the content. But it's the topic for a tech podcast or a future of tech podcast. Uh, In this episode, we just talk from the consumer creator side of things. Yes. And I'd say 
and I said it many times before that it would be nice and, and, and kind of logical to me if those uh, in America especially because we have here so many different channels you know HBO, Hulu, Amazon and so on Netflix wouldn't it be nice if they have subscription that they already have but also added to that subscription the ability to watch their film in the theaters you know, mm-hmm. you're paying 15 bucks a month and you can watch uh, the rings of power at home or you can go and watch it in theaters yeah there there's a lot of things that um, come into play when it comes to how when and how can you watch a tv show in a theater or a feature film in a theater do you need to get a subscription do you need to buy a ticket each time because honestly right now it's kind of pricey to go to watch a movie you know like you pay 15 dollars for regular film and like 26 dollars for uh a dolby prime type of film or imax type of film and plus popcorn and other things it adds up a lot could be a hundred dollars for like two fam- for like two people or for a family it's insane but it's supposed to be the experience for people of any income levels the revolution you know the theaters came to be to allow the masses to watch the films uh as opposed to you know there were like theaters in you know that allowed only to royalty you know and the royal people and the intel- intelligentsia were coming to watch theaters mm. but movie theaters were designed for yeah. people to watch it and if you raise the price you basically eliminate the desire of people to to watch those films because many people especially kids i'd say they, they would go watching theater it's a fun experience you know it's better than sitting in heat in la uh, and sweating and recording a podcast yeah Yeah. right now we're like suffering through the the heat because you need to keep the so hot the sound good you have to sacrifice a little bit of uh, of ourselves for you guys yeah so you can hear us a little bit better yeah maybe we should just get more tv sets you know and sit at home and watch them on (laughs) on tv you know feature films tv shows i don't know what's better i mean we, ha- we all have limited time and it seems like we have less time day after day. And sometimes it's just because there is more content coming and more content and more content and we don't have time for all of that. We can only select certain things and then we have to sacrifice our workouts or we have to sacrifice something else, something important, uh, you know, creating your own films. That's a difficult conversation. Although it's nice sometimes to kind of dig into it and see see where it, where it can go. Maybe we can discover something in it. Maybe not. Let's see the world of short films, Rumki. What can you tell us about the world of short films? We as filmmakers, when we're starting out, we're so super familiar with short films. Unfortunately, not a lot of people watch short films. But if you're planning a career um, in filmmaking... I highly recommend you make short films because, first of all, they're cheaper to make than a feature film. I don't know. I wouldn't say they're easier. In a way, it feels it's harder to write a short film than to write a feature film just because all the events and you have to be much smarter about the storytelling because you have such a limited time to tell the story. You always can run into the trouble of like telling too much too big of a story into this short format and it just wouldn't work. Uh, So I don't know if they're like easier to make, but they're definitely cheaper and less time consuming than making a feature film. But you do get the practice and the experience 
so you can be ready to make that feature film. Now, who watches short films? Really, the people that are that watch short films are festival judges, for example. And at the end of the day, that's why you make a short film. You make a short film because it's more accessible for you as a young filmmaker to make a short film than a feature film. It's cheaper. You submit it to festivals. And at festivals, there are festival judges and filmmaking professionals that through that short film can see your talent, your capability, and hopefully this can help you out um, with your career in the future. Also, your friends might watch your short film. People who look for new creators to make a film together. Short films have a bad rap, honestly. I think they're great. I think there are some really bad short films out there, and I think there are some great short films out there that are as memorable as feature films. So I would like say to the regular viewers, encourage them to check out short films, you know, because sometimes you you might discover a filmmaker that you really, really like. Be like, wow, that was a great short film. If this person can make can make such a great short film, I can imagine how much of a great feature film they'll make one day and you can sort of follow a person's career like that I mean some of the new filmmakers and greatest filmmakers of all time they've all started with short films and when you watch their short films you can see sort of the style the talent the tone developing right then and there and you can see the progress they've made so I think short films are great and I highly encourage anyone that wants to start doing films, wants to be a director or even a cinematographer or an actor to make short films. They're just cheaper to make. It will take you less time. Another thing, if you really want to make a feature, remember that you can always write a feature, make a short film out of that feature. That's also a smart way to go about it because you won't spend as much as money as you would spend for the whole feature. And if you need to raise money, now you have a short film to show that you will turn into that feature. So people can see an example of how the feature is going to look like, what is the cast going to be, um, what is your skill set and what you need to actually make the feature and it might make them interested to actually contribute to your feature film. So that's another reason why to make a short film. Yeah, I agree with that. And um, yeah, you can make short film to make a feature, but make sure that you, when you make a short film that it's a complete film in and of itself. Because mm -hmm, yeah. there is a tendency, a lot of people trying to make a short film just to make a feature and... Uh, in the meantime, the short film suffers because it doesn't have an arc. And, uh, and people who want you to make a feature, they see, oh, you cannot even tell a story in a short film. Then how are you going to tell a story in a feature length film? So that's something to keep in mind. So we actually working on a short film and we have a crowdfunding campaign for a short film that I wrote so many years ago. One day I was in San Francisco in this cold weather, you know, it was a little bit foggy. And I was standing on the cliff on the edge and I was pissed 
I was pissed that I couldn't make films because of ridiculous visa situation. If I make films that do not count towards my visa. So I didn't have any motivation to make films because I needed to stay here somehow. And I couldn't believe that because of such a simple thing, it really discourages me to make films. And I thought about all other people who cannot make films because the way that they are born, because the color of their skin, because the sex that they have, it's all became ridiculous to me. And then I was observing the ocean, observing the waves. And I thought, what if there is this society that lives underwater, the dystopian society where people are not allowed to create any type of arts? What if there is this janitor who dreams about dancing, who dreams about art, but cannot do that simply because she was born in this lower class society? And the story begins where she decides to break that law, despite the unfair rules of the tribe. So that's the story that <laughs> we're working on. That's the story that I've been passionate to write for so many years. It stuck with me for many years, and I'm still thinking about it. Because it's not an easy one to make. It's, it's a fantasy. It's underwater. So that's why we need you guys to join us in our campaign. Join the Tribe Rules crowdfunding campaign on Sid and Spark. Rumana will tell you a little bit more about it. Yes, absolutely. So we are working on this amazing short film that's written by Constantine right here, and he will be directing it. I am producing it, and I will be also acting in it. It would be amazing if you guys can join our Tribrals campaign on Cedens Park. You can join us by making a pledge, and contributing to our campaign. You can also share it with your friends and family and spread the word on social media or just simply follow us on Seed and Spark webpage and that would be amazing and it will help us tremendously. And now it's time to move to our favorite part, the obsession of the week. What is your obsession of the week, Rumki? My obsession of the week is iced coffee. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And normally I don't drink that much iced coffee. I am more of a hot coffee person. Even in summer, <laughs> I order hot coffee. But I was in Europe for two weeks. I was convinced with what Americans have been saying that Europe doesn't have iced coffee. I mean, I'm joking. Like, you know, in Macedonia, there is iced coffee. But when I went to Spain, it seemed like it was a rare thing because I ordered iced coffee twice and they gave me a hot espresso or macchiato and a cup of ice cubes. <laughs> so I had to make the iced coffee myself. But... So, I don't know, since then I've been like craving iced coffee and it's like so hot in here. In LA, it's like you cannot breathe. You're just melting. Insane. So, any thought of drinking anything hot or even like cooking, like turning on the stove, is just like, oh my God, I don't want to do it. So, I've been like craving iced coffee. So yeah, like this past weekend, all I had was like, if we, when we went for coffee rides, I would just order iced coffee. Today I ordered iced coffee. So that's my obsession of the week. 
But what's your obsession of the week? My obsession of the week is thematically similar to yours. Mm. Quite similar. Yeah. I'm obsessed with bath with ice. I okay. was Googling on Amazon like a, you know, the mattresses that you buy to swim in the ocean. They make bath out of the same material. You actually blow up your bath and then you fill it up with water and you put it ice in it. Because i just trying to escape the heat. It's so hot. It's insane. It's 100 degrees, sometimes higher. And then if you sit in the apartment on the third floor, which is the last floor, it's so hot inside. You always yeah. have the AC on. You turn, it on uh, you, you turn it off, it gets hot immediately. You go outside, everyone's AC is on. So it's even hotter outside than like on the street because all of the AC produce their own heat. It's just a vicious cycle. It's It's horrible it's just horrible so i'm trying to find a way to escape that's how i i try i try to find a way to escape by searching for the iced bath i know how you call it ice bath or iced bath like a coffee i don't know <laughs> at least searching for them gives me a little bit of breathe <laughs> it gives me a little bit hope it gives but, me hope. i mean I, do, I just don't know where we would put that if you order it it does sound amazing but <laughs> yeah, I don't know where we will put it. Yeah, well, where? Like living room, you know, you, you get lunch and you, you take a bath at the same time. Sounds like a good thing. Yeah. That's it for today. Thank you for tuning in. And please go and follow our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Maybe leave a review. And check out our Tribrals campaign on Seed and Spark. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Rumike Talks podcast. You can find the show notes at rumike.com. I'm your host, Konstantin Starodetsky. My producing partner, Rumena Dinevska. See ya.